Well, uh, like I said, this will be wrapping up Godly Men. We have this one in the next lesson. There's so much to say on sexual purity that we wrote two lessons on it. And seeing as how there's, I think, five Sundays in October, it works out perfectly. And so uh, then we'll start off in November with uh, two classes, and then December will be two classes. But let's jump into this, The Man of Sexual Purity, Part 1. We, of course, we understand that we live in a very sexually charged nation. Uh, The world is very sexually charged. Uh, Probably the reason this sin is so prominent and so easily perverted is because God has designed all of us to be sexual creatures. Uh, It's real quiet on that. I'll say it again uh, in case you're asleep or you don't want to acknowledge it. Or if you feel free, say amen. Um, God has designed us to be sexual creatures. You're all here because somebody had sex. And, all right, just look down. I will, and we don't have to be embarrassed. God designed it so that sex would be fun and feel really good, because if not, there wouldn't be kids anywhere. Amen. And as, as many a Christian preachers pointed out, uh, really human beings are the only ones for whom sex feels good. Everything else in the animal kingdom is driven by hormones and rutting season, and it's just an animal instinct. But for us, we don't just have sex to procreate, as some uh, Christian denominations teach. We have sex because it's intimate, it feels good, we enjoy it, it does all sorts of neat hormonal things in our body, and it's ecstatic and all that. And it's a good thing to enjoy sex when you're married. If not, you're in trouble. But because we have been designed to be sexual creatures, it's God's idea. God made the whole thing up. Did you not know he fearfully and wonderfully made your body? That includes all the sex organs. I mean, we're not living in reality or what? This thing's, I mean, (laughs) we got to be real about this. Not vulgar, not dirty, but just real. God designed us to be sexual. God designed us to enjoy sex. God, uh, we'll just say, God designed the sex organs. We'll just leave it at that since nobody, is everybody's prudish this morning. and We can't even get medical. Everybody go, oh God, he's talking about that little thing. and that and God help us this morning. Um, we're designed to be this, sexual. Uh, and it's supposed to feel good. And that's why it's such a temptation. In fact, we know now that we have kids having sex 10, 11, 12 years old. They're just kids themselves and they're having babies. So this thing is a powerful force. We have the pornography industry. On top of that, we just have Mountain Dew commercials. On top of that, we just have Disney Channel. And they're taking our 15 and 16-year-old daughters and making sex idols out of them. Uh, We don't have to talk too much about Hannah Montana and say that was a train wreck we saw coming. And it surely came. Disney produces horrible people because they're run by horrible people. We have to understand the nature of sexual sin and what works it in our life so that we as men can prevent it and so that you as ladies don't end up feeding it. Uh, around here, we, we're very modestly dressed. Even Reverend Bench complimented me. He said, your church is very modestly dressed. He said, you, I travel, you wouldn't believe how many churches I'm in or prayer lines. I go lay hands on people. Not that you're wanting to look down, but you, know, you look down just as you step to and you're like, I can't look there. I mean, they're just, everything's hanging out and that's in the body of Christ. We have to understand this and discuss sexual sin because it is so prevalent and we have to deal with the culture we live in. We have to figure out how to defeat it, how to get the victory over the culture, the the temptations it feeds us, and so we don't fall prey to it. Wherever you're weak at, that's where you've got to emphasize. You don't magnify your weaknesses, you fix them. What a lot of, most Christians like to do, a lot of us like to do, we want to run away from our weaknesses and major on our strengths. 
But as long as you major on your strengths, your weaknesses will get weaker and weaker. It's kind of like if my right leg didn't work, I would work on my right leg to make it work. Otherwise, I'm going to hobble worse and worse. If, if I can't write, I'm going to work on writing because that's important. We've got to emphasize whatever our weakness is. We've got to fix it. And sometimes we just want to be like the ostrich that sticks our head in the sand so we don't have to deal with it. La, 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 la. Don't want to deal with it. Don't want to look at it. But the ostrich doesn't realize just because you can't see the line coming doesn't mean he doesn't see your five foot rump sticking in the air. And he's going to take you down and it's going to be easy pickings. So let's look at this since we, uh, my, my curriculum is very austere and prudent. So maybe that's where we're at this morning. We can't talk about, you know, tinky boppers and hootie hoos. It's, uh, we're going to have to be more professional than that, I suppose. Jesus help us. Without argument or controversy, the single greatest struggle for every Christian man that desires to please the holy Lord Jesus Christ is that of sexual temptation. Unfortunately, there is a current movement within the body of Christ to make light of them and even wholly yield to these carnal desires. There's, right now, we're, we're fighting in the body of Christ a movement of hyper grace that says, hey, you're carnal, you got carnal desires, that's all right. Give in to them. Grace covers it. You don't have to repent of your sin anymore. That was yesterday. Well, I'm struggling with it today. Well, today will be tomorrow or will be yesterday tomorrow. Grace will cover it. So live like the devil. Grace will cover it. That's not what my Bible says. Now, maybe some of these guys need to write their new Bible that basically takes out all the scriptures about sanctification, holiness, sanctifying your body, possessing your vessel and confessing your sin. But until they decide to basically overhaul the Bible, the Bible still says live clean. Possess your vessel unto sanctification and honor. So we do have a movement that we have to lean against that's saying it's okay if you sleep around. It's okay. In fact, Dr. Barclay was telling me about um, a lady in a church and uh, she finally went to her pastor and she said, you know, pastor, when, you, when your first marriage fell apart, we, we wept and we prayed for you. And we thought, well, something happened. And then when your second marriage fell apart, we thought, wow, that, this has got to be hard. But when your third marriage started falling apart and then you had a girlfriend and your wife at the same time, we realized there was probably something wrong with you. So we've decided to leave. And that goes on in churches. Sexual sin. There was another story about a church, a mega church in Atlanta. No, excuse me, Texas, where um, the pastor said, uh, church, I want you to pray for my wife and I. We're having marital problems. And the church prayed. And the next Sunday he said, oh, pray some more. It's getting worse. And with over three or four weeks he kept saying, pray for our marriage. And after four or five weeks, it wasn't long, he said, it's over. We're not going to be able to make it. I just want you to know I appreciate your prayers, but I want you to know the Lord has provided. And he turned around and extended his hand to the choir, and this young 20-something girl came out of the choir. And that was just going to be his new wife. And the church gave him a standing ovation. That was like three years ago. <laughs> this stuff's getting in the church. And we have to stand against it. Sin is always sin. Sexual sin will be here till we go home in the rapture and we've got to fight it. So we're not going to make light of this stuff. We're going to encourage one another. Hey, possess your vessel. Hey, don't watch that. Hey, you shouldn't be watching that. Hey, you know, whatever happened to looking away from the commercials, you know, whatever happened to looking away in a movie, what happened to ejecting the movie, whatever happened to getting online or doing some, you know, it's rated R. Maybe we shouldn't see it. Whatever happened to that? We're going to show you. In case you didn't know, I'm, kind of, I, I'm a scientist by trade and just by uh, probably the way God made me. So I'm always analyzing and studying and gathering and researching. I've learned how I work. And I'm like, all right, every time I look at that, I do that. 
Every time I say that, that happens. Every time I go there, this falls apart. They probably should stop doing all of that and hurt will stop coming to me. Every time I touch the stove, it burns my hand. Every time I speed, I get a ticket. Every time I drink, I get drunk. This should be basic stuff, but we're going to look at scriptures to help us as men fix the carnality and even curb the, the sin nature that's in us. Because if you didn't know it, you have a sin nature in you that has a, a, a voracious appetite and it cannot be satisfied. You must starve the thing. And that'll be a good thing for you. Um, we are not of that foul, offensive movement. We desire to be holy. Here is some help. So just to show you how powerful sexual sin is, I've gone through and given you a couple examples of men of the Bible who fell prey to sexual sin. Number one, Abraham. As at Sarah's behest, that was his wife. Abram had sex, has sex with a much younger woman, Hagar, in order to impregnate her. Can you imagine? He's in his 70s. He has this servant slave he picked up from Egypt, Hagar. She's an Egyptian. She's not a Jewess or an Israelite. She's not of the household of faith. She's from Egypt. And Sarah says, well, maybe you should just have my handmaid. Well, what 75-year-old pervert wouldn't want to sleep with a 20-year-old? Not saying Abraham's a pervert, but you got to know there was something going on. He didn't fight her. His wife, he said, all right. What's the end result? Islam. Yep. Sexual sin produced Islam. Yay, Abraham. Wow. I wonder if sexual sin will ruin something in your life. I wonder if sexual sin will produce a Muhammad in your life. Something that will continually come back to bite you in the tail. 4,000 years later, we're still dealing with Islam. Worse now than ever. Yeah, so we have to be careful. Zimri. Who in the world is Zimri? Zimri was one of the young men during Moses' leadership. As God was judging Israel for sleeping with Moabites and worshiping their gods, Moses had the guilty people's heads cut off. Just as a side note, they were sleeping around. All those that slept with the Moabites, he cut their heads off. He cut the fornicators' heads off. And he had the priests do it. So if you lived in Moses' day and you were a fornicator, we'd stick your head on a stick outside the church building and say, alas, old Scudder, we knew him well. <laughs> Take heed to yourselves that you not fornicate with the dirty heathen women. I got you the address there so you can go study it. A certain Israelite named Zimri could not refrain from sexual sin. He saw the wages of sin being death. But it didn't stop them. Just like you and I know the wages of sin is death. The wages of pornography is death to our marriage, death to our sex life. We know that the wages of sin is, is teen pregnancy. The wages of sin is fired from the job or drug addiction. It, but sometimes it doesn't stop us because flesh wants what flesh wants. We know it's wrong. We're not dumb people. We're not dumb little sheep, you know, mute to the slaughter. We know right from wrong. And yet we got to admit we still peek, stare, Download, freeze frame, surf, upload, download, reload. So did Zimri. He brought into the camp a Midianitish woman to have sex with her. He brazenly paraded. We see this in church. Folks in sin and they brazenly parade their floozy or their boy toy into our sanctuary. And they don't think it grieves God. This goes on even today. He brazenly paraded her in front of the family of God and then went and had sex with her. Now, this is the best part of the whole story. 
The end result, Phineas, one of the preachers in training, he got so mad. Moses was dumbfounded. Moses and Aaron were like, I don't believe what I'm seeing. And Phineas looks and says, oh, no, they didn't. And if Moses won't do something about it, I will. He runs. They're in the act of having sex. Uh, Zimri and uh, Cosby was the girl's name. She was a princess from the Moabites. So he, they're in there having sex. Phineas goes and grabs a javelin, goes into their tent while they're in the act of sex, and drives the spear through both of them, sticks them to the ground. And as I like to gruesomely point out, you don't die instantly that way. You bleed out, stuck together, stuck in the sand. And you can't get off each other because if she, he takes it right through their guts, they don't die instantly. Very painful. And, you know, God didn't have a problem with this. In fact, God said this is the only other person in the whole Bible. God said this will be counted as faith and righteousness unto Phineas. He did this in faith and it will be counted unto him as righteousness. That's how serious God is about sexual sin, <clears throat> especially with heathen people. That's why you should be careful who you marry who you fall in love with. That's why you should be careful who you're eyeballing. We're, we're going to look here in a minute, man, how our eyes are what always get us in trouble. Always. And our eyes, because we like what she looks like, will always negate the word of God in our heart. But Lord, she's so pretty. But Lord, this Cosby girl, she's so fine. She's a Moabitess and you're not married to her and she's not of your faith, family or faith. Oh, but Lord, she's not a Christian. But Lord, she's got the curves and she wiggles and she jiggles and she swaggers. And the Lord's going to say, it's not my will. It's amazing if we're not careful with our eyes, we'll justify anything we want to. And we won't be men of God. We'll be men of sex, men of perversion, men of lust. It ruins many, 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 many people. We're just looking at a few Bible examples here. Phineas killed Zimri and Cosby. I was right. Look at that. With a javelin doing coitus. That's just a fancy scientific word for sexual intercourse. So you learned a new word today. Coitus. Samson. We all know Samson. Samson's, Samson always had an eye for dirty women. He even slept with prostitutes. The story I always quote in this church to, to scare the fire out of us is the night before Samson anointed, the, the power of God came on Samson, he was anointed, and he ripped the gates off the city. And think about like a castle, massive wooden doors with iron hinges. And you know, you've seen movies of, you know, Knights of the Round Table. Gates that big, not like a door like that. Not like a little gate to grandma's garden, no, no. Massive gates, probably a ton apiece. Ripped them off, carried them on his shoulders uphill 30 miles to Hebron. The night before, he was sleeping with a prostitute. We can talk about the men of God in, the, in this country in the last 30 years that have fell, fallen prey to sexual sin, anointed. Even Jim Baker said he was having sex with a 16-year-old before he got out on television. For praise the Lord. And people were just pumping money into... Uh, the, what they call it, the Heritage USA. Then he, went, he doesn't go to prison for statutory rape. He goes to prison for embezzling money and fraud. Scary stuff. Here's the thing, gentlemen. I don't have to tell you, you're already dealing with this. Now, you're not sleeping with Cosby or prostitutes, but you know this is in us. We're not trying to act all righteous and whole. We know this is in us. I know this is in me because I've got a sin nature just like a gigolo does. I've got a sin nature just like the man that goes to the prostitute does. And you've, this has got to terrify you. Not in a, oh my God, I'm going to go to hell. You know, that, Lord, if I don't get a hold of this, it could happen to me too. Um, Pastor Darren was at a conference one time and, the, and the, 
the man leading the conference said, how many of you men here are terrified you might fall into sexual sin or pornography or even pedophilia? And a handful of hands went up. And the man said, put your hand down. He said, I'm not worried about you guys. The rest of you I'm scared for because you don't think it can happen to you. Nobody ever sets out to be a pedophile. Nobody sets out to sleep with prostitutes. Nobody sets out to cheat on their wife. Nobody sets out to download pornography. Nobody sets out to do this, but this temptation is there. And sin always slowly, subtly drags you into the abyss and gets you one shackle at a time. And that's why you just got to cut it all off. This is not legalistic. This is saving your soul, your marriage, your children, embarrassment, newspaper. I just saw where an engineer for, uh, what's the big guitar company? Gibson. He just got arrested for, for child pornography on his computer. Big uh, computer engineer for Gibson in Cookville just got arrested for child pornography. They've been watching him for several years. He's got a wife and kids. They just arrested him in a sting. It's in the Cookville paper. I was like, ooh, picture right there. Prominent computer guy. Does computers for Gibson. Big guitar company. And the, the child porn on his computer is from like a year or two ago. So he thought he was in the clear. Hopefully I'm scaring you, terrifying you. This day and age, you don't know who's watching your computer. That ought to put some fear on you. They can pull up what's on your computer, what's on your phone. Jesus, help us all. This kind of thing could come back and bite you in five years. We might have see a surge of new computers in the church now. <laughs> what was the end result of Samson? He died blind, powerless, and a slave. So what happens to all these people that give into this? He died blind, powerless, and a slave. Yeah, the anointing came on him one last time to do what he was called to do, but without that, he was power. He was, he was chained. He never got free from those shackles. The power he had was to push out and bring the temple down. He never broke those chains. He died with it. David, oh, Jesus, help us. Greatest king Israel ever had, except for Jesus Christ. But we know David's story. David was given to peeping Tom tendencies. That's the quote I always like to say. Peeping Tom tendencies. This set off one of the most destructive chain events, chain of events in the entire Bible. He has an affair with Bathsheba. Okay, this man, let's start of this. He's got three wives or maybe four wives already. But the sin of familiarity had set in and they weren't good enough to look at. So he happens to just stare at Bathsheba. Now, I'm becoming more and more convinced in my heart, it's not necessarily Bible, but you can't disprove it, that he had an eye for Bathsheba for quite a while because Uriah the Hittite was one of his mighty men of valor for 20, 30 years. So he knows the wife, just like employees and coworkers. You got to be careful how you interact with your coworkers because they're new to you, whereas your spouse's old hat. So I'm just kind of, I'm getting more and more convinced in my heart that maybe David had a thing for Bathsheba for a long time. Maybe that's why he didn't go to battle. Because all the kings, says when the when time had come that the kings went off to battle, David didn't. Of course, neither did Bathsheba. So just by peeping Tom tendencies, he sets off this chain of events. Just by looking. That ought to scare you to look, to not look. He has an affair with her. He impregnates her. He schemes to cover it up. The scheme fails, so he has Uriah the Hittite move to the front lines of war for certain death. So just by being a peeping Tom, he ends up killing one of his best men. 
Starts off just by staring a little too long. Starts off really by not getting his heart right when he's around Uriah and Bathsheba. And because he doesn't nip this thing in the bud, he ends up having to kill Uriah to cover the whole thing up. So what's the end result? David murders one of his mighty men of valor, loses the child he conceived with Bathsheba, the sword never departs from his home, and he goes on to lose three more sons, and actually two of them tried to oust their father, not just one, two of them. So, reason enough to uh, watch what you're looking at on the internet. Put up filters if you have to. Have your wife put up filters. Give her the password. Because you men know, if you put up the filter and you put up the password... You'll talk yourself out of the password. Come on, God, give it to me. All right, how can I be mad at you? Here's the password. Yeah, God have mercy on my soul. Get somebody else to set it up. Or if you don't need internet, don't have it. You ever thought about that? We went pretty good for, I don't know, 6,000 years without the internet. (laughs) Only within the last 15 have we had it. You can do without it. Or get Dingwall to come over and set up big filters for you. Get somebody to come set it up. If You do whatever you can to get this out of your life. I tell you, I watch that to catch a criminal or to catch a predator from time to time. That puts the fear of God all over me. You got college professors, police officers, rabbis, teen challenge counselors, uh, uh, you know, truck drivers, military guys coming in to have sex with 13-year-old girls. My, my cousin Phil's church down in Texas, one of their, their, their senior adult pastors. So this is the guy that pastored the older folks in the church. This is a 35,000 member church. Their past, that guy got arrested three years ago now for driving across state line to sleep with a girl. A pastor, a Southern Baptist ordained seminary grad had been online talking with the police officer he thought was a 13 or 14 year old girl and drove across state or maybe into Louisiana to have sex with her, gets there and it's a bust. God have mercy. And there, my cousin Phil's church, high in integrity, they said, whatever you want, we're not going to protect him. Not like some of our charismatic circles that protect the dirty man. Like the ones that have sex with the 18 and 19 year old men. At least the Baptists still have integrity and they'll say, look, he's guilty. Sin is sin. I don't care if he is ordained. He just, the second you called, he lost his ordination. And uh, we'll send him tapes to the prison, and we'll hope that those men in the prison don't break his legs like they're prone to do for child predators. So you go from one day standing in the pulpit on legs to in prison a year later with broken legs because of peeping Tom tendencies. I'm putting the fear of God all over myself right now, and I'm the pastor. (laughs) Solomon. 1 Kings 11, 1 through 7, Solomon loved many strange women and took 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. That's a dumb man right there. One woman is enough trouble. One birthday is hard enough to remember. Valentine's, Christmas, New Year's, anniversaries. And you got 700 of them and then concubines? What happened to all that wisdom God gave him? Went out the window because he started thinking sex. What was the end result of this? They turned his heart away from God and he worshiped demons. God took the kingdom from him and caused Israel to be split in two. He couldn't be happy with one woman. Honestly, he started off so clean and so pure. 
One of his half brothers wanted David's one of David's last comfort girls. And when David was old, they gave him a beautiful young virgin to keep him comfort. He never the Bible says specifically David never knew her. He never slept with her. But this woman just she was younger and she would hold David and care for him almost like a nurse, but provide heat for his body. After David dies, one of Solomon's half brothers says, hey, uh, give me David's give me our father's that girl that took care of him at the end of his life. And Solomon said, you pervert and killed him. In the end, that's how Solomon was, though. Give me her. Give me her. Give me her. I like her. Give me her. Give me her. All because of sexual sin. So all those stories, and there's more of them in the Bible, is just to put the fear of God in you. If it can happen to these great men, this is nothing new. It will plot against you. Wives, you should be praying for your husbands. You may think your husband is awesome and all that, and he is, but it's nothing against him. It's just sin. It's just temptation. You ladies know what you're tempted with. You fight it, you struggle, you, you know, and for ladies, this kind of stuff's hard to understand. How, how could this be? It's just sin. It's just the way God has designed men. Men can be having a perfectly great day in God, having come out of a church service, go out to a restaurant and go, oh God. And I watch the hostess walk by and all that tight black junk. There's a reason those corporations put all the 20-year-old girls. Did you notice they don't hire chubby hostesses? Have you ever seen a really, really heavy waitress or a cedar or a hostess? No. They get the skinny 20-year-olds, 22-year-olds, put them in tight black, and then you have to follow them to the booth. Like a lamb to the slaughter. Yeah. Honey, walk in front of me. Honey, walk. <laughs> This is the society we live in. It's American. It's sin. It's of the devil. And every corporation knows how you men work and you hold the checkbook. So we got to be wise to this stuff. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, lack of understanding. So let's get into the rest of this because I'm going to show you how to help us. Next lesson will show you even more techniques to guard yourself and it will take discipline. You'll have to train your eyes, train your heart, Train your wife, wife, honey, help me, God, help me. Honey, pray for me. Wives, this may seem like the most foreign thing in the whole world to you, but there's a reason why there's no Playgirl magazine. Well, there was one. It didn't do very well because women are not turned on by this kind of stuff. But there's about 7,000 types of pornographic magazines and 10 million pornographic websites, and they all cater to men. Women just don't understand. Women will say, oh, yeah, yeah. Guys are different. We're created visually. And so we have to learn this and understand it. Understanding your weakness, our next part. As men, we know our weakness lies in our eyes. Can all the men say amen? amen. Is this the truth? Yes, sir. Yeah. As men, we know our weakness lies in our eyes. One man said, 99% of all men struggle with sexual sin, and the other 1% are lying. <laughs> I don't mean there's fornicating, but they, have, they deal with lust. They, 99% of all men deal with lust, and the other 1% are lying. Because even if you were blind, your mind would be going, ah. Oh. Ah. Oh. Oh. Yeah, even blind people have sex, you know. One of man's greatest temptations uh, to, is to look. Our eyes are a two-edged sword, gentlemen. God designed us to operate visually, 
So we cannot pray the design away. Because the thing is, if you prayed, God, Lord, take, take the desire, what's your wife going to be left with? If you don't desire your wife, you're going to hurt her. You're, but at the same time, you're designed to be visually stimulated. So when your wife puts on the teddy or the nighty, or if she's bigger, the grizzly or whatever, or for some of you, she just wears flannel. You know, maybe you can learn to be turned on by flannel. Grow a big lumberjack beard. It'll be okay. You work all night and you sleep all day. Some of you are catching that. Wait a, wait a minute. Wait a minute. There it is. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. Sleep all night because I work all day. Yeah. So, I don't know. If you pray the visual stimulation away, you, you, your wife won't stimulate you. You know, but there's a reason why Victoria's Secret makes so much money and lingerie and, and all that kind of stuff. This is how we're to operate. Women, you should understand this. Men, your husbands, your brothers in Christ, your pastors, ministers, men are stimulated visually, so be careful. What you have, wives, is for your husband only. So keep it covered up. It's only for your husband. And if you want other men to look at it, I would say you have whorish tendencies in your heart. There's something not right in you that you want other men to look at what belongs to your husband. Women, wives, how do you feel when your husband, you catch your husband looking at another woman? That makes you feel very small and it hurts you. Then why would you want another man to look at you? This is youthful lust in a woman's heart. Men are designed to be lured visually. But we're also designed to be lured visually, so we can't pray this thing out. I like the way my wife looks. I say, honey, don't wear that. You don't look good. Honey, wear that. That makes you look good. Honey, I like this. Honey, I don't like that. So we can't, the point is, man, we can't pray this out. But what we can do is harness this. We're designed to be sexual creatures. We're designed and actually commanded biblically to have sex with our wife. So you can't pray the sexual desire away because then you're going to be a eunuch. Nobody wants to be a eunuch, but you can control and harness this thing. So that's what we're going to look at. We must instead learn to honor God with our design. We cannot pray this design away. We've got to instead learn to honor God with our design. Just like your hands are given you to do something with it. You can kill somebody with it. You can shoot them the bird with it. You can strangle somebody. You can have hands that shed innocent blood. Or you can lay hands on the sick. Or you can change a diaper. Or you can build the house of God. Or you can play an instrument. So the hand is neither here nor there. I'd even tell you the sexual desire is neither here nor there. You must just learn who to harness it on, which is your spouse. And if you're not married, you don't get to touch and you don't get to test drive. Well, we're engaged and the Lord knows our heart. Yeah, that it's full of lust and perversion. Shut this thing down. So let's look at some scriptures here. Some of these are taken a little bit out of context, but you can go and study on your own. I like Job 31, 7. And mine heart walked after mine eyes. That's a powerful verse. My heart walked after what my eyes saw. They said of Steve Jobs, he told us what we needed before we even knew it existed. And we saw the iPod, iPad, iPod, iMac, and our heart walked that direction. And we saw the strange woman in the college class, and she swaggered and swung, and she had some fries with that shake. And our eyes saw it, and our heart walked after it, like a lamb to the slaughter, which is what Proverbs talks about, the foolish boy who went after her house, down to the whore's house. And to the strange woman. So your heart will walk after what your eyes see. You didn't know you wanted those boots till you saw them. 
Then your heart meditates on those boots. Man, those are some good-looking boots. I wonder if Payless has a, a cheaper sale. I wonder if Walmart has them. I wonder, I don't know, Nine West or whatever. I'm trying to think of all these ladies' shops since we're dealing with ladies over here. I never knew GM was making that kind of car. Now I want it. I never knew that girl existed. Now I want her. I was doing okay with my sexual appetite, and it was starved. It was like a camel drying up. But now I see her and can't get her out of my head. You can. You just got to take some work. Stop looking at it. Stop talking to her. How about stop texting? Texting will get you in a lot of trouble, too. Amen. Lamentations 351. Mine eye affecteth mine heart because of all the daughters of my city. Now, this is not a scripture talking about sexual sin, though it does certainly fit. Jeremiah is just saying, I see the city in ruins and I see all the daughters, all the innocent uh, uh, women are more vulnerable. He says, I see the cities of Zion, the daughters of the city. They have no home. They have no husband. And this has affected my heart. Jeremiah didn't realize how bad Jerusalem was till he saw it. That made his heart break. Works the same for you. You start seeing the daughters of this city. Now we're talking sexually. It'll affect your heart. Boy, she's pretty. Boy, I like a tight pair of Wranglers. I like a miniskirt. And you got to be careful. I, I would tell you, if you're in school, you got to be careful. Any place you work and you're exposed to a lot of women, whether you're a student or a professor, you've got to be careful. A teacher, you've got to be careful. Even, I, I'm not a big secular music guy, but this stuff's been around for years. Sting and the Police had a song back in the 80s called Don't Stand So Close to Me. It was all about a teacher having an affair with the student. I was in high school in the early 90s. We had a, a, college, uh, a high school coach have sex with one of my friends. Had an affair. This guy's like in his 30s or 40s having sex with one of the girls I knew in high school. She loved it. I think he went to prison over it. This thing has been around for a long time. And if you think you're safe, you're not. This thing's got to have fear and trepidation in you. A trembling. Oh, God. Oh, God. Have mercy on me. If you work with women, gentlemen, be careful how you interact with them. Be careful how much time you spend in their office. Don't go to lunch with them by yourself. That's dumb. Why would you go to lunch with someone who's not your wife? I won't have lunch with any woman that's not my wife unless it's my mom. And my mom looks a lot older than me. So it's not like I'm having an affair with an older lady because my mom is pretty, but she ain't pretty to me. And I think anybody in town could say (laughs) that young guy, that's not a cougar. That's got to be his mama or his grandmama or something. But even Billy Graham would never have lunch with his daughter ever to avoid the appearance of evil. They, men like Lester Sumrall and Billy Graham, uh, people that hated them would purposely hire prostitutes to go to their hotel room to try to set them up. But those men were much smarter than that. Because everybody's trying to get somebody caught in sexual sin. Now, here's the thing, women, you have to watch out for. There's women who are willing to sleep with great men of God. It's a trophy to them. They are whores of Babylon. They are strange women. They are the harlot. And they would love nothing more than to take your man from you. So you got to be praying. And wives, they have that keen sense. Honey, they'll say, honey, stay away from her. I don't like the way she looks at you. I don't like the way she talks to you. And wives, you got to be praying for your husbands constantly. The devil would love nothing more than to destroy your marriage through an adulterous affair. And honestly, in this day and age, it's it's all up for grabs. It's it's a. This, this, this environment we live in is so dirty and so perverted. 
I even, I even saw where one girl, she was sleeping with a famous celebrity, and she said, oh, yeah, I was raised in church. You're like, whoa, whoa, but for this girl raised in church, born again, it was just something awesome for her to get to sleep with a celebrity. So she threw Jesus out to sleep with a celebrity. You can't forget, some women, actually, gosh, we are getting a little dirty just telling these kind of stories, but it's the reality. I had a, fr- a friend of mine who was a great man of God. He said, Chris, he said, before I was a Christian, I worked at this plant. This is in Knoxville. He worked at a factory that made bathtubs, uh, big uh, ceramic bathtubs. He said, I was such a ladies' man. He said, there wasn't a single woman I couldn't get in bed with if I wanted to. I said, are you serious? He said, yeah. He said, I could do it. He said, and if they were married, it was even easier. They tell me they wouldn't do it, but there wasn't a single woman that was ever married that I want to sleep with I didn't sleep with. He said, now I'm a Christian and I'm ashamed of all of it. He said, but this, this is perversion out there. He said, if on the job, because you're on the factory eight hours, ten hours a day, and you're hanging out, and, and all he has to do is start treating her better than the husband, or all women, all the woman has to do is start treating your husband on the job better than you do. Vain imagination set in, the heart starts shifting. It gets really weird. And you find yourself doing things you never would. I've got one story I've told uh, Brother Brett, I think, and I know I've told Luke, about a youth leader, a youth worker. He wasn't the actual youth pastor, but a worker. He, he, for some weird reason, he was drawn to a girl in the youth group because she was pretty and sweet, and the thing turned weird. He started giving her rides home from youth group. Before long, they started having sex. He's married, got kids, yet he's having sex with one of the youth. God help us. Church. Church people. Church people. Our, our curriculum is godly men. You've got to guard yourself now more than ever. This, the age we live in is so wicked and so perverse. And our culture now says, who cares if you sleep with five or ten people before you get married? Who cares if you sleep with five guys last week? It, it's the norm. We, we, I mean, we're, we're swapping beds like we swap spit, like we swap handholds, like we swap cars. It's a perverse thing. So we have to be careful of all this. The context of this verse is Jeremiah's sorrow over the city, excuse me, the destruction of Jerusalem and Israel. His eyes saw the destruction and it affected his heart. This is also spiritual law for any scenario. Guard your heart for the, uh, uh, guard your eyes for they do affect your heart. Guard your eyes. Look at Song of Solomon 4, 3, 4, and 5. Thy lips, thy neck, thy two breasts. Here is Song of Solomon. Here in Song of Solomon, Solomon, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is commenting on his wife's features, her lips, her neck, her breast. He admired them and then writes about them. This admiration had pleased God. His eyes were drawn to these features and God designed them to be admired in the purity of marriage. Learn to guard your eyes. Think about this. Inspired of God, he's talking about what he's seeing. Honey, your, your eyes, your neck, humana, humana, humana. Your two breasts. Wow. This is inspired of God. He sees these things. It moves him so much. God gives him permission to write about them in the Bible. That's how we we see how powerful these things are. And we have to be mindful of this. Proverbs 6.25 Lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. Now, it doesn't say don't don't admire her beauty as if to say, honey, there's nobody pretty. That's not what the Bible's saying. We can look at somebody and say, boy, she's very pretty. 
Or you know what? Did you see so-and-so? She looks so pretty at church Sunday. Or did you see that? That dress was so pretty. My wife and I talk about this. She'll say, honey, did you see so-and-so? I said, yeah, honey. She's really pretty. The glory of God's on her. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about lusting. Oh, honey, she's pretty and I want to get in bed with her. That's, not, that's what it's saying don't do. There's nothing wrong and you got to guard because men's hearts will say, well, there's nothing wrong with admiring beauty. Careful. One man said, the first look is free. Number two, you're in sin. You go, whoa. Then sin will kick in and go, and then led like a lamb to the slaughter. Now, there's nothing wrong with saying, you know, she's pretty or my daughter's pretty or, you know, your wife is a very, she's got a very pretty wife. Or, he's got a pretty wife or he's got a, she's got a handsome husband. There's nothing wrong with that. But you got to be careful what your heart starts saying. Oh, and daydreaming and meditating on. Because if the girl knows she's pretty, then she'll start to take you with her eyelids and you'll be in trouble. Nothing wrong with beauty, but the lusting after a woman's beauty is sin. God made her beautiful. God just didn't make her beautiful for you. God made her beautiful. Like God made my wife beautiful, but God did not make my wife beautiful for you. He made her beautiful for me. So I'd rather think you found her ugly. That way I don't have to beat you up. We can be cool. (laughs) I I mean, I go in restaurants and I and I walk behind my wife and I just I watch the guys look at her and then I make eye contact with them. Busted you. All right. Yep. She's pregnant. Busted you anyway. (laughs) And they always look down or they look away like, yeah, that's I I got you. Job 31, 1, I made a covenant with my eyes. Man, this is every one of us. I've made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? Or I like it in the Amplified. I dictated a covenant, an agreement to my eyes. How then could I look lustfully upon a girl? Job dictated a covenant to his eyes. He knew lust started there. There is a connection between looking and thinking. Your eyes are the gateway to your soul. There's a connection between your eyes and your heart. Be careful what you feed your heart and your eyes. I think every one of us, we won't ask for a show of hands, every one of us has gotten infatuated with somebody we saw. I kind of embarrassingly say, there was a girl I liked in college. I never once talked to her. I think I was infatuated over for like a year. Though I never really ever talked to her. Just, just a weird little heart. Like, boy, she's pretty. I'd like to get to know her. And never did. And then never really got to know her. You got to be careful what you set your heart on. Because you're not going to fall or fall in lust with someone you've never met. It's always going to be what you see with your eyes. That's why you've got to be careful. Yeah, she's pretty. Yeah, he's handsome. Uh, but we're going over here to serve God. And dictate this covenant. That means every day you're reminding yourself of what the covenant says. We don't look with lust. 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 I look because I have to look at their face, but I'm not looking with lust. And I'm definitely not going to watch them walk away like that stupid country song. I hate to see her go, but I love to see her leave. You know, he hates to see her go, but he loves to see her walk away. God, it's such a carnal thing. Job dictated a covenant. Excuse me, last sentence. Be careful what you feed your heart and your eyes. Proverbs 5.20. And why wilt thou, my son, be ravished, drunk through the meditation, led astray through intoxication with a strange woman, and embrace the bosom of a stranger? Next verse. Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thy heart shall utter perverse things. The context of this proverb concerns the dangers of alcohol. A drunk lets down their guard and partakes of dangerous sins. It is possible to be drunk with lust and pornography and lose your judgment. Stop letting your eyes drink in the alcohol of lust. The more you feed on it, the more you got to have it. 
Romans 13, 14, put you on the Lord Jesus Christ, make no provision or forethought for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. A provision is something you think about and provide in advance. The Greek word for provision is forethought or to consider in advance. Looking and thinking will set your heart up for a fall. Guard your looking and shut down your thinking and daydreaming. Gentlemen, stop daydreaming. If you want to daydream, daydream about your wife. I've run out of time this morning, but there's a lot of Proverbs about daydreaming about your wife. Daydream about your wife. Stop trying to compare every girl out there to your wife or your wife to every girl. Your wife, there's not a woman in this church that can touch Victoria's Secret. That's not rude. That's just you've not been airbrushed. And you're not anorexic and you don't have devils like those girls do. So husbands, stop feeding on Victoria's Secret because your wife will never compare in the natural. That's a good thing because you don't want your wife to be a Victoria's Secret girl. And your wife can't compete with Sports Illustrated Swimsuit. You don't want them to. They're airbrushed. And if you don't feed yourself that, you won't look at your wife and hate her because she's not that. You'll look at your wife and you'll love her because she is what you married and she's what God has given you. God's not giving you Victoria's Secret. He's not giving you uh, 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 Sports Illustrated. He's giving you your wife. And if you stop comparing everything to everything, you'll be happy with what you've got. Plus, beauty is always cultural anyway. Africans in Africa don't think Victoria's Secrets are all that. They think they look like Ethiopians, all skinny and scrawny. So it's all relative. Last proverb, 627. Excuse me. Well, let's finish this sentence. If you don't, you will provide provision to strengthen the flesh in the arena of lust. Proverbs 627. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothing not be burned? We'll say, can his life not be burned? Don't flirt with this thing and think you won't get burned. Lust has brought down many a man greater than us, we could say. So we kind of sidetracked there. Hopefully you got something out of it. If nothing else, hopefully we put the fear of God in you. And women, guard how you dress and how you act. Don't put on the vibe. If you're not married to him, he's not yours. Let me ask both husbands and wives. How come you don't try to put on the vibe for your spouse? How come you're still not trying to woo them or flirt with them or, you know, text them and, you know, flirt with them like you did when you liked them? You can still flirt in the home. I pinched my wife under the arm. She said, stop it. I said, this is how I flirt. She said, I don't like this flirt. (laughs) Love you guys. We'll be ready for service in a few minutes.